You are listening to the Ingenious Podcast, where God's word is shared to build undisputed champions and mighty redeemers. This message is brought to you by the Ingenious Network. Enjoy the message.
if you read from the NIV version, the NIV says, most assuredly. But the Greek word is the word amen. The Greek is amen. And when you bring it into English, it's the same amen. So it can be amen, amen, I say unto you. Amen. Amen, that's the word amen. But you see, in the Greek, the word amen here, which is the word for verily, stands for something that is so paramount, something so premium, something so important, something you cannot do without. So for Jesus to say verily, now he could have just said it, but he said verily. Now the word verily is a nice way of saying I swear. A nice way of saying I swear. (laughs) So verily means what I'm saying is inevitable, cannot be avoided. Irrevocable, cannot be reversed. Immutable, cannot be changed. It is the final truth. So Jesus said, Verily, almost like saying, I swear. That means what he's saying is the ultimate truth. Now, when you read the Bible, there are many a times he said, Verily, only once. He says, Verily, only once. For instance, in Matthew 11, 11, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, among them which are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom is greater than he. In Matthew 16, verse 28, he says, Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not see death till they see the kingdom of God. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, many righteous men and many prophets have desired to see the things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear the things which you hear and have not heard them. If you check Matthew, he said verily, but he used them once, once, once. But in few places, he said verily, verily. Can you imagine? So can you imagine what verily means and pronouncing it twice? <laughs> so those truths are ultimate. Now, when in the Greek and in the Hebrew, when something is mentioned twice, you know what it means? It means that what he's communica- communicating, it's so, it's so profound, so intense, that <laughs> it becomes an ironclad guarantee that nothing can be done about it. For instance, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You have to be born again. That, is, that's the ultimate truth. Verily, verily. So when he came to being born again, he didn't say verily once. He, he pronounced it twice. So over here, he says, verily, verily. Verily, verily. That means that it's like saying, I swear, I swear. The Bible says that here, men verily swear by the greater. And an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing the more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for a refuge to lay hold on the hope that is set before us. Hebrews 6, 16, 17, 18. That means that now... For God to swear, you know what it means for God to swear? On earth, people say, I, I swear by the moon. I, I swear by the stars, because the moon and the stars are greater. But when God was swearing, there was nothing greater for God to swear to. 
So God had to swear by himself. So for God to swear by himself means that God is saying what I'm saying. It doesn't, if it doesn't happen, I'll deny myself. So God swore by his Godhead that if it doesn't happen, I will cease to exist. I will cease to be God. <laughs> Praise God. Why am I taking time to see all of this? So that you can believe what Jesus said. That it is not just for, it's not for pastors and for evangelists. It's for everyone who is in Christ. So Jesus said, verily, 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 verily. He said, he that believeth on me, look at what he said. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Just think about it. What are the works Jesus did? So what Jesus is saying isn't a lie. Is Jesus speaking to apostles? Is he speaking to prophets? Is he speaking to pastors? Is he speaking to some special group of people? No. He's speaking to those who believe in him. And he said, verily, verily, that means what he's saying is true. He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Then he said, and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my father. The reason he said greater works is, is that, now what are the works and what are the greater works? Virtually they are the same. The word greater is the Greek word mezon, now which is greater in quantity. There's another word pleon, which is greater in quality. But the word used here is greater in quantity because we cannot improve upon the works of Christ. Because he's a standard. He's a standard. So he said that actually we will even do what he did in quantity. Because he came for only three, and a half, three years. Yeah. And uh, now the population is far more than what it used to be. So he says, well, what he did, we'll do the same thing, but in greater quantity. The word greater actually means greater in quantity. Now today, we are reaching people through social media. You can be in your room and reach thousands. Jesus never left Israel. All that he ministered was only in Israel. But to the social media, you can reach thousands upon thousands. So he's speaking of quantity, the quantity of our works. And greater than this shall he do, because I go to my father. I go to my father, why? Going to the father means that redemption will be accomplished. Number two, when he goes to the Father, he sends the Holy Spirit to us. So the accomplishment of redemption and the Holy Spirit coming to us will energize us to do the greater works. That's it. Because I go to my Father. So when he ascended to the Father, the works were done. Redemption was accomplished. He sends the Holy Ghost to us. We can do the great works. But now, I want us to take it one by one. What does it mean? What are the works of Christ? Because it says that, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. So let's see his works, so that we can also do his works. Praise God. Let's see the works Jesus did, so we can also reproduce his works. Because he said the works he did, he will be able to do the same thing. And he had to swear on it, that we will be able to do the same thing, if only we believe in him.
So what are the works Jesus did? Number one, Jesus preached the gospel. Preaching and teaching the gospel. He preached the gospel everywhere. Preaching and teaching the gospel. That's what he did. Jesus was preaching everywhere. Preaching the gospel. He preached in cities, in towns, and in villages. In Luke 4.18, he announced his mission statement that he came to preach the, the gospel to the poor, the glad tidings to the poor. So the first work here is preaching and teaching the gospel, preaching the gospel. Every one of us should be able to preach the gospel. Everyone should, of us should be able to win souls. Because Jesus himself, when he was going, this is what he said. In Matthew 28 verse 19, Jesus himself said, he said we should go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We should go and teach all nations in Matthew 28, 19. Then in Mark 16 verse 15, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now there's a little distinction between Matthew's commission and Mark's commission. In Matthew, Jesus said, teach the, the, go and teach all nations. We should teach the gospel. We should teach all nations. The nations there is ethnos. In the Greek, where we get the word ethnicity. Now, ethnos describes customs, cultures, civilizations, races, different people, different colors, races. So, we should invade, the, the gospel should invade every civilization, every race, every culture, every custom. So, international missions are in view here. Everywhere. That's in Matthew nations but in mark he said go and to, into all the world and preach the gospel why is it that there's one world he says go into all the world yeah the word word is cosmos in the greek cosmos a cosmos is anything that is organized cosmos is where we get the word cosmetics anything that is organized so for instance a, a political party is a cosmos an institution is a cosmos, a firm, a company, an industry, an enterprise, a setup, an organization, a group of friends. These are all cosmos, anything organized. So by all means, each of us belong to a kind of cosmos. Your workplace is your cosmos. Your campus is your cosmos. The firm you belong to, the enterprise you belong to, the institution you belong to. That is the word world, cosmos. So he says that going to all the cosmos, so he's speaking of your world, your world. So this is inland mission. Matthew's commission is foreign mission, but this is inland mission. That means preach everywhere. Share the gospel to your roommate. Share the gospel to your housemate. Share the gospel to your workmate. That's what he's talking about. Yesterday, I gave an example that your life must first be the gospel. Then you speak the gospel. So, this is what we must do. We must all take advantage and witness our faith. Share our faith. Every, sometimes when you're in a taxi, you can tell someone how the Lord loves him. Or you can encourage someone who is going through a trial in life. Just encourage the person. 
These are all different models of evangelism. Yeah. You can share a testimony. The Samaritan woman, you know how he preached? Come see a man who told me all things I ever did. Is this not a Christ? You don't have to go into theological arguments. Share with the one who's struggling how that's when Jesus came into your life, how your life is transformed. How, who you were and how you are now. And the kind of peace you enjoy. Just share your life with the person. That's good evangelism. Yeah. Yeah. There was this preacher in, in UK. He got into conversation with this politician. It was a conference. And for two hours, they were talking about politics. Whilst they were speaking, the Holy Spirit kept witnessing in his heart. Share the gospel. Share the gospel to this politician. Share the gospel. But, I mean, he was a little shy. So he kept talking about politics and about the nation and what is happening. He kept having a sensation. Share the gospel. Share the gospel. He never did. So they got to their hotel room. And amazingly, the politician was just opposite where he was. Five minutes after he's gotten into the room, he heard a big sound. Boom! From the other room. So he went and knocked. There was no response. He opened the door. The politician had fallen from his, on his bed, and he was dead. He was dead. So that was an opportunity to win a soul to Christ. He would have entered heaven straight away if he had received Christ as Savior. So there are people you never meet them again. Yes, ago I met someone around Legon. He saw me. He was so happy. He called apparently a pastor far older than me he called all his pastors to come and greet me and he was happy he was jumping why he said i led him to christ i said i can't i can't remember then he said 1997 in front of a school you saw me sitting down and he just told me how the lord loves me i was going through challenges <laughs> when you left i gave my life to christ praise god so these are his works and also one of the ways to win souls you have to pray strategically especially with the members of your family now in our, in our families obviously there are others who may not have given their lives to Christ but the best way to pray for those who are not saved normally we pray with this how we pray father save them Father, save this person and save that person in the name of Jesus. Father, save them. I think it's not the best way to pray. You know why? He already saved them on the cross. They need to come and receive their salvation. <laughs> it was a preparation for our sons, not for ours only, but for the sons of the whole world. He already did that in Christ on the cross you know how to pray that's what Jesus told us pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers to his harvest pray that the father will send a laborer to visit will send a laborer to that soul that is not saved to that family member that is not saved pray that Lord the God will send laborers to that person it's a good prayer point you know why Jesus said we should pray that the father who is the Lord of the harvest will send laborers you know how it happens. All of a sudden, that's your uncle who is not saved. As he's walking somewhere, a preacher will meet him and will share the gospel. Or he'll sit in a car 
and hear the gospel. And God will make him hear the right words at the right time that will meet his need. So we pray that God will send laborers. Sometimes we have cousins and friends who are abroad, whom we can't even reach. Pray that God will send laborers. And the second way to pray is this. Someone can hear the gospel and still, the person, nothing happens to him. The Lord told us, the Bible tells us the reason why. The Bible says that among whom the God of, the God of this age has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest at any time the glorious light of the gospel, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. One reason why many are not responding to the gospel is because Satan has blinded their eyes. There are evil spirits, the unclean spirit that sometimes prevent them from yielding to make decisions for Christ. So sometimes in the name of Jesus, you break the power that is blindfolding them. You break that power with your authority in Jesus' name and you see how effective the gospel will be. Now when you learn to do this kind of warfare, people will be easily saved. Please, are you hearing me? Benihin gave a testimony of how his parents got saved. He said his parents never believed in what he was doing. One night, he got out of frustration. He said, Satan, I break your power from the life of my parent. I break your dominion. The next day, his parents gave their lives to Christ. It's not because they were not willing. Satan was preventing them. The Bible says the God of this age has blinded their minds. Can a Hagin, of blessed memory, now he wanted his brother to be saved. So he said he fasted for 15 years for his brother to be saved. The more he fasted, the more his brother became worse. So one day, out of frustration, he said, Satan, from now on, I break your power over my brother. Stop your maneuvering. And I, declare, I, I claim him for Jesus Christ. Your power by him is broken. In 10 days, he got saved. Yeah. So sometimes, I, I'm telling you, something is preventing them from seeing. Break that power. But if you break and they don't receive Christ, don't worry. It is their, it is their will, not any spirit preventing them. So keep praying and laborers will be sent to them. And one day, they will yield to the gospel. Hallelujah. So the first works of Jesus is that he preached the gospel. It must be our daily lives. Everywhere we go, when God convicts us, let's preach. Number two, Jesus was healing the sick wherever he went. Healing was a basic part of his ministry. He said, I do chaos today and tomorrow, and in the third day I shall be perfected. He had a marvelous healing ministry. Healing, healing. Basically, every believer should be able to heal to some degree. Yeah. It is because we are not well informed. So we have thought that it only belongs to special people. Of course, there are special ministry gifts and special gifts of healings. But basically, for every believer, Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. That's what he said. And he said, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, at this point, he's not speaking to apostles. He's not speaking to pastors or those with special gifts. He's speaking to those who believe. These signs, these signs. Now, the word signs in Mark 16, you know, is the word semeon. 
which in Greek is the word for signature. Signature that authorizes or authenticates the validity of a document. Yeah. So he says that heaven's signature over our lives and ministry has to do with we healing the sick and casting out devils. As we heal the sick and cast out devils and do these things, heaven is approving or heaven is showing the evidence that, that our ministry is genuine or we are sent from heaven. Now he said, you will lay hands on the sick. He's speaking to all of us. Now Jesus said, verily, verily. You know why he said verily, verily? So what I'm saying is not a lie. He said, every one of you. It's not just for your pastor. It's for everyone. He said, they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now let me show you why normally you don't do it. He said, they shall recover. Now the word recover is not instant healing. Most of the times we are looking for instant healing. When someone is sick and we lay hands on the person, we expect the person to instantly start walking. Or the person is instantly healed. No. Jesus said they shall recover. Now, they shall recover is echocalos. It is the word for they shall recover progressively. So he's talking about progressive healing. Now, the moment you lay hands on the sick, there may be no evidence. But Jesus' word cannot fail. He said, they shall recover. And the word is not instant recovery. It's progressive. So, amazingly, when you lay hands and go away, just know it is done. Don't look for physical evidence. It is done. You realize that sometimes in a day, the next day the person is better. But after some hours, the person is better. Jesus at one time cursed the fig tree. When he cursed the fig tree, nothing happened. He just left. The tree was still standing. The next day, Peter saw that, ah, the roots of the tree has begun to wither. Peter was amazed, and Jesus said, have faith in God. So when you curse that cancer, you go to the hospital, nothing, has, is, is, nothing is happening. But remember, the roots of that disease has begun to wither. You have to hold on to God's word, which cannot fail. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, not all of Jesus' healing was instant. I can show you from the Bible. Not all of Jesus' healing was instant. For example, in John 4, 52, when the nobleman came to Jesus, that his son was sick, Jesus said, go that way, thy son liveth. After 24 hours, when it was, it was told the nobleman that his son was well, the Bible said that from the same time yesterday, his son began to amend. The word amend means he, be, he, became, he started getting better, little by little, little by little. By 24 hours, he was totally fine. <laughs> so sometimes when you lay hands, the person begins to amend. Ten lepers came to Jesus. Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priest. Jesus, they were not healed instantly, but as they were on the way, they were healed. They were healed. So sometimes you can pray for a person as you are going, the person becomes healed. The man who was blind, Jesus took clay 
and put it on his eyes and said, go to the pool of Siloam. Now, when you are blind and I put clay on your eyes, you are doubly blind. <laughs> Nothing happened to him. But as he went and as he washed, he was healed. It took some time. So you have to say, believe what Jesus said. Your brother is sick. Your daughter is sick. Your son is sick. Just lay hands. Say, thank you, Jesus. I declare you healed. Don't look for physical evidence. You've done what Jesus said you should do. Yours is to lay your hands. His is to do the healing. That's all. Never feel embarrassed if something doesn't work. I remember a man had stroke at the emergency unit. It was so critical. So we got there. So when we got there, we saw that the guy was, the man was really struggling, suffering, in pain. I just shared the word of God with him for five minutes. And I laid hands on him and prayed for him. In fact, after praying for him, he was even in more pain. <laughs> you know, sometimes I see that, ah, what have you really done? After praying for him, ah, 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 as if it was even a wrong idea for you to have come. <laughs> so, you know what I said? I said, sir, the Lord has healed you. I just went my way. <laughs> With no evidence. I mean, nothing, nothing happened. But you know what happened? This was Sunday afternoon. Monday dawn, the man was lying down and the people saw he has raised his hands and was waving to God, praising God, and he stood up by himself. Everything God, 100%. So much that, so much that those in the emergency units were calling him, hey, please, can you come and pray for me? C can you come and pray for me? And the Kolebu students now had to rush there to understudy his case. Jesus' work, I mean, his word is ever true. So just lay hands and don't go back to it and go your way. Years ago, I came to Axim and they gave me a five-year-old girl who had never walked. If you let her stand up, she would just fall. Never walked. When she stood before me, I just, I just laid hands. I didn't even know the things I know. No. I just laid hands in Jesus' name, be healed. And she fell again. I just sat in the car and went back. I've done my part. Can you imagine that from Axim to Tadi, as I was on the way, they called me the first time the girl is walking. Alive. Yeah. Working. And understand that sometimes when you pray for the sick and the person is not healed, you are not the fault. You are not to be blamed. It doesn't mean you are not anointed. It doesn't mean you are not powerful. You may have faith to heal the person and still the person will not be healed. It's not only your faith. The person must also believe. Now, in the Bible, Jesus healed 19 individual cases in the Gospels. There were 19 individual cases of healing recorded for us. Out of the 19, 12 of them, Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. He never said, my faith has made you whole. So, 19 minus 12 is what? seven so majority of the cases Jesus said your faith has made you whole what's he telling us it implies that majority of the cases we will deal with 
has to do with the people's faith. That's why the word of God must be preached so they can have faith to be healed. Jesus never, now before Jesus healed the people, check the Bible, Luke 5, 15, other places. The Bible says they came to hear and to be healed. They came to hear and to be healed because faith cometh by hearing. They came to hear and to be healed. So there are some people, I mean, don't just pray, share the word first. When I go to the hospital, I had to share the word first so that faith will come into the person's heart. Whilst I'm believing, the person must also believe. Because Jesus always said, your faith has made you whole. When Jesus went to Nazareth, his hometown, he couldn't do many mighty works because of unbelief. So unbelief limited Jesus from doing great works. Unbelief. Jesus was raising the dead. He had to sack the people in the room. Peter, Peter. Because <laughs> the people were so full of unbelief. There was a time Jesus was in the temple. He took the sick person from outside the temple to heal the sick because the whole temple area the Pharisees and the Sadducees, it was full of unbelief. There was a time Jesus took the sick outside the gate of Jerusalem to heal the person because the whole city was full of unbelief. So even sometimes an unbelieving atmosphere can hinder the, the faith of the people and the miracle from taking place. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. So you should be doing your own domestic healing as the father of your home. You should do it. When your child is sick, lay hands. Lay hands. Sometimes your child is healed before you even consider hospital. It, it works. And, and take communion. A lady's, a lady's child wasn't sleeping. Night after night. When she gave the child communion, the child put live ants. Ants, live ones. Another woman gave communion to her daughter. She put two human years. <laughs> there are things in this world. <laughs> there are things in this world. <laughs> so there are certain things you go to the hospital and there's no solution. Don't think you, you, the Holy Spirit is in you. You lay hands. Jesus said, verily, verily. Hallelujah. Now, what did Jesus do? What are his works? So, we can do the works. We can do it. And the more you do it, you grow in it. You become so marvelous. What are his works? He was casting out devils. He was casting out demons. I mean, when you read the Bible, in you know, the Gospels, it was one of the major things Jesus did. He was always casting out spirit. Now, nobody in the entire Old Testament casted out a spirit or a demon. There was not a miracle in the Old Testament where Elijah or Elisha or anybody casted out a spirit. Jesus was the first to do it. Why? Why? Because Jesus himself said in Matthew 12, 28, if I, by the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God or the spirit of God is come unto you. So casting out of spirit was to demonstrate the coming of the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom had not come, they could not cast out spirit. So cast out of spirit was to demonstrate that the kingdom had come. And today the kingdom is with us. So we can cast out spirit. In fact, casting out of spirit is the easiest thing a believer can do. Yeah, because it is the first sign that should follow a believer. That's why he said that these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, what's the first sign? They shall cast out demons or spirit. So every Christian should be able to do it. 
because Jesus already conquered the devil and destroyed his works. Now you need this. Many Christians are afraid of witches and wizards and all. That is defeat. That is underplaying the work of Christ on the cross. No, 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 no. Of course they are working, but <laughs> you know what Paul said? Neither give the devil a place. Neither give the devil a place. The only place he has is the place you give him. He said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's what he said in James 4 verse 7. He will flee. The word flee, you know what flee means? The Greek says flee means to run with terror through any opening available. Like a stampede on a stadium. How people run for their lives. A stampede on a stadium. How people run for their lives. That is how Satan will flee from the youngest Christian. He says, resist the devil. Jesus dethroned him. Now he's the prince of this podcaster. We have overestimated his power. Listen, you, can't, you cannot defeat a defeated devil. The works are finished. Believe in what he said. He said, cast out. How do you cast out devils? I'm not talking about only casting out spirits in people. It's inclusive, right? It's more than that. Sometimes you, you, you can discern the activities, activities of demons. This lady who is connected to me was going to get married. Everything was set. Then finally, the family sat down. All of a sudden, they said they are not going to agree on a marriage. Everything has been set. And confusion all over, confusion all over, all over. So, we realized that this is strange. This is not normal. So she called me. I just perceived that there's a foreign power behind this. This is beyond ration. You know. So I went into the room. I said, in the name of Jesus, every spirit maneuvering and operating and trying to take ransom, trying to hinder this union, listen to me. You are dismissed. I speak to you and I command you to leave that territory. Your works are broken. I just, what? five minutes and came back. Now, I just did that in about two minutes. In five minutes time, the call came and said, I said, pastor, something is happening here. All of a sudden, they all said, we are green. They are all. He said, we don't understand. What, said, we don't understand what is happening. They just agreed. All of a sudden. All of a sudden. Yeah. And you should be able to do it. Don't you do it yourself. You have the authority. You have it. Now, sometimes in your own life, you know what happens. There is a work of the flesh. Sometimes you struggle. Someone can be, can lose his temper. It's a work of the flesh. Someone can commit fornication. It's a work of the flesh. Or masturbation. Now, or anger, uncontrollable anger. But when you persist in that work of the flesh for a while, the spirit that controls that weakness takes over your life. That, that's part of your life. So sometimes, you know how it happens. That is when you are doing something, you don't like it, but you find yourself doing it. It's like as if there's something dominating you. There's a spirit that is trying to influence you. You, the believer, must know it. That, ah, 
As if I'm getting angry, there's an obsession. Use the name of Jesus to break that influence over your life. Yeah. You realize that it's as if last is coming your way. Ah, this is not you. Break that power over you. That is the Christian life. Jesus said, you, you would do it. Yeah. And you know, when you're casting out spirit from people, most of the times it is done with unbelief. Come out. Come out. Come out. I say, come out. Come out. Come out. <laughs> I won't go. I say you will go. I won't go. I say you will go. <laughs> there was a situation there were two girls they had go and they were tired so they started begging please leave our sister we beg (laughs) now when you keep doing that those spirits will know that you don't know your authority have you seen a king on his throne giving commands to a servant and telling a servant, go. I say, go, 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 go. Oh, the servant will be shocked. What, what is happening to our king? <laughs> go, go, go. No. Where the word of the king is, there is power. Go. And you relax. <laughs> One day I was going to a, a naming ceremony. That we are called that a certain lady is getting mad. And when we got there, it was really happening. <laughs> Those I went to, one of them said, hey, this one I'm afraid of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So sometimes when, when you say, come out, don't look for physical evidences. We wait out when the spirit says, oh, I'm gone. I said, what is your name? My name is, I'm a lying spirit. Said, I'm gone. And the person has come. So it's gone. No, it's a lie. Don't, don't, once you give the word, leave it. Authority. Authority. Sometimes after giving the word, there will be instant manifestations. It's, look at Jesus. When he cast out a spirit, it threw him apart. The person was forming. Jesus didn't follow up chasing the person and saying a lot of things. Authority. Authority. I said, in the name of Jesus, I break your power over her. Leave her now. She was still speaking. I just walked and laid hands on her and I said, you are gone. <laughs> yeah, because ah, you are gone. Faith. Now this thing has harassed the person for years. It has never happened again. It's gone. It's not for the pastor. It's not for the bishop. It's for the believer. It's for the believer. So how about you and your house and your, your daughter start forming and all this is happening? Most epilepsies, there are spirits behind them. You should be able to exercise your authority in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So Jesus casted out devils. The next thing Jesus did... We see his care ministry. Jesus was feeding the poor. 
was caring for the weak. The weak. She was caring for the weak and feeding the poor. Now, where do we find this in the Bible? Acts chapter 10, verse 38. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing. Now, there are two different things. Who went about, Jesus, doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Now, sometimes we interpret the good by the healing, but there are two different things. Now, the word good here is the Greek word euagetes, which is actually the word for a philanthropist. The word for good in Greek is agathos, but this one is different, euagetes, which speaks of a philanthropist or someone who is well endowed financially, but who has decided to use his money to care for those who are less privileged. That's the word that is used for, for Jesus. So we see his care ministry. This is part of his works. Jesus fed the poor, was clothed the poor. How do I know? When Jesus crossed the, the lake with his disciples and he met the maniac of Gadara, the man who was, was insane, and there were demons that were troubling him. He said, what is your name? He said, we are legend. legend. You know legend? Legend is 6,826. Legend. Roman legend, 6,000. The band is the tenth of a legend. So 6,000 demons were troubling him. Jesus delivered him. But when those in the city had come back, they saw him in his right mind clothed. Where did the clothes come from? So disciples clothed with clothes. That means they, they, they went prepared. The Bible says that the man, and the Bible said, was in his right mind and he was clothed. So they clothed him. Jesus clothed him. The disciples clothed him. It's part of his works. Jesus spoke the word for three days and three nights. Then he asked Philip, when shall we find bread to buy? When shall we find bread that this may eat? There were about 5,000. Jesus didn't say how. He said where. And he asked Philip, because the Bible says Philip was of Bethsaida. That's where Philip stayed. So he's asking the place we can find bread to buy. Not how, but where. That means they were well endowed to buy bread for the multitude. Now, you know how many they were? The Bible says 5,000 men. Let me explain. 5,000 men. Now, Jesus was well... Uh, what they did was amazing. The Bible says the men were 5,000. Now, the word for man in the Greek is anthropos. That is for you, a man. Me, I'm anthropos. But that's not the word used here. The word used here is ane. Ane is the word for the head of a family. A family head. So literally there were 5,000 family heads. So, so they sat in families. They sat in families. So if you count all the family heads, there were 5,000. So scholars believe that there could be approximately, there would be about 40,000 people. Where, where? He says, where can we find bread? 
Yeah. When you read Galatians chapter 2, when Barnabas and Paul went to Peter, James, and John, the Bible says that they gave them the right hand of fellowship, that they should go and preach to the uncircumcised, the Gentile nations. But they should only remember, they should remember to feed the poor. Paul said, the same which I was forward to do. Where did they learn it from? From Jesus. So what I'm saying is that it's part of our ministry to feed the poor. This were part of the great works of God. Great works. Now, the great work, I mean, it may not be working on the sea, but it can be feeding your poor neighbor, your neighbor who has no food to eat. Now, we believers can be very selfish. All your life is to be able to pay your children's school fees, to buy a car, to feed yourself and your family. Is that what God sent you to come and do in this life? Is it all about you? No. Your vision must go beyond yourself. But it starts now. Give someone food to eat. Pay someone's school fees. I'm telling you. It grows. It starts little by little. Just pay someone's school fees. Help someone pay his rent. And begin to increase. Let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The Bible says that who he gave himself for us, that he might purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So you are zealous to help someone. You want to provide for a family that is not eating, a family that cannot provide. Zealous of good works. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2 verse 10. Good works. These are the works Jesus. I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. Yeah. Before that, this is what you should do. Before the year begins, get some time and pray and have a vision. Cultivate the divine vision. People you should help. How you can help people. Hallelujah. It's part of the great works. A minister of God was telling me that, oh, he's paid for it's a young minister who receives from my ministry. He's paid for the school fees of 50 people in, in an international school. He's paid for all of them. Yeah. You can feed 50 families, but it starts with one. And God loves such things. Yeah. To visit the widows and the fatherless in their affliction. Help the widows, the fatherless. Amen. It's part of the great works of Jesus as part of his great works to God be the glory hallelujah say I'm working the great works of God one more time I'm working the great works of God I'm a worker of the great works of God Jesus also did the miraculous like Walking on the sea, stilling the storms. He did all these things. A time will come and realize that these are not difficult things. But we have made them difficult. Like Jesus said, He that believeth on me, He that believeth on me. The works that I do, shall he do also. Now, these are some of the works, examples I've given. But he came 
He said, he that believeth me. He that, that, the word believe here, the tense is, is present active participle. Present active participle. He that is constantly believing. He that is believing and believing and believing is, is in the present tense. He that is believing and believing and believing and believing and believing and believing and believing. The works I do, he shall do also. Say faith. Now, everyone here in Christ, we all have faith. Never think you don't have faith. One of the reasons why many believers struggle with faith is because we tell them to have faith. So something that, hey, I should have faith. Faith. How am I going to get, how can I generate faith? But the reality is that the faith is already there. How can you be a believer without believing? But the problem is the knowledge of how we use faith is what we are lacking. Or the knowledge of who we are and what Christ has done. Now, quickly, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained the like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. To them that have obtained the like, now say after me, the like precious faith. Now Peter says, to them which have obtained the like precious faith with us. What does it mean? What is he trying to communicate? What is the like precious faith? Now let me take it from the Greek so we can understand. The word like, the word like precious is from the Greek word isotimos. Isotimos. Very important word. Isotimos. Isotimos. Like precious faith. Now isotimos is from two words. Isos and timos. No isos. Isos is where we, from where we get the word isosceles triangle. Those of you who went to school, isosceles triangle is a two equal parts. A triangle that has two equal parts. Okay. Isos. They took stones to stone Jesus because he being a man has made himself equal with God. The word equal is isos. Okay. To them which have obtained the like precious faith. Now, isotimos. Isotimos actually means equal in quality and quantity. Equal in quality and quantity. What is Peter saying? Peter says that when we came to Christ, the faith we have received, remember that everyone here has faith. The moment you give your life to Christ, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith, Romans 12, verse 3. We all have faith. But what is this faith? You know how he calls it? Like precious faith, isotimos. He says the faith that was given you is equal in quality and in quantity with the faith the apostles received. <laughs> now, Peter is saying that the apostles, they don't have more faith than you. He says to them, which have obtained the same faith with us. So, to them which have obtained the same faith, we've obtained the same faith with Peter, James, and John, and Paul. 
Can it be true? That's what he said. The same faith. We have the same, say we have the same faith. That's what he's saying. We have obtained equal faith. Hmm. So the faith Peter had to raise Docas from the dead, the faith he had to raise the man at the beautiful gate, all this faith, he said we have the same faith. Hmm. The problem is this. Now, let me show you an example. In, in Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said something. That if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, be removed into the sea, and it shall be removed. But do you know the mustard seed? In Mark 4, 31, Jesus says that the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds that be in the earth. So the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds that be in the earth. It's so small. And Jesus says that if you have faith as that size, you can command a mountain to be moved into the sea. All of us here, the person with the most weak, uh, <laughs> the weakest faith, the least you can have is a mustard seed faith. Because there's nothing smaller than that. And Jesus says that even with you, you can say to a mountain, be moved into the sea, and it will be moved. So what was the excuse? Okay, so man of God, how about what Jesus spoke of? Small faith, little faith, oil of little faith, great faith. Now, these measures, little faith, small faith, great faith, he wasn't talking about the faith we have. He spoke of the faith we use. Listen, we all have the faith. But the problem is this. The knowledge of who we are in Christ and what Christ has done and the knowledge, the knowledge of how to use the faith because faith operates by laws. For instance, faith is voice activated. So the, it's the knowledge we don't have, but potentially it is already in us. That's why the more you hear the word, the more you hear your faith is dead, it's dead, it's dead, it's dead, it's dead, it's dead. The reason why you, because you've put the Bible aside, were you to have the word daily, and listen to the right message constantly, these things will be easier for you. Hallelujah. You have the faith of God. You have it in you. So Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Then in, verse 10, in the next verse, verse 13, look at verse 13. I'll conclude with verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And what does it begin with end? It's a conjunction. So he's telling us how to do the great works. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. <laughs> and whatsoever he shall ask in my name. What does it mean? Listen, there are different kinds of prayers. Someone can say, let's just pray. But in the Bible, there are different kinds of prayers. It's like saying, sport is sport. But sport is sport, but there are different games. The rules that governs football is different from the rules that governs volleyball. And the rules that governs volleyball, uh, baseball is different from hockey. 
there are different kinds of prayers, but they all have their rules. If you honor them, you will have results. You will have a lot of results. Now, Jesus says that, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believes on me, the works I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And whatsoever he shall ask. The word ask here, we call it the prayer of authority. It's called the prayer of authority. In the Greek, is the word aitio, A-I-T-E-O. Literally, and whatsoever you shall demand in my name. Whatsoever you shall demand in my name. Now, aitio in the Greek actually means to demand something according to your rights and privileges. So, literally, whatsoever you will demand according to your rights and privileges, that will I do. Now, this is different from after two chapters, Jesus said, In that day, you shall ask me nothing. Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, I will do it. Here, he's not saying we should ask the Father. In chapter 16, verse 23, he said we should pray to the Father. Whatever we ask the Father, the Father will do it. But here, he doesn't say we should ask the Father. Here, he says, Whatsoever you will ask. Ask who? <laughs> he doesn't mention the Father's name. Whatever you will demand in my name, I will do it. Now, the things that are already accomplished, we demand. For instance, when you are sick, or someone is sick, the person is not feeling well, or you are not feeling well. Jesus already healed us. By his stripes, we are healed. He says, whatever you will eye to, you will demand according to your rights and privileges, that will I do, so that the Father will be glorified. So if someone is sick, and you go and pray for the person. Don't say, Dear Father, if it be thy will, heal thy servant. And you know, you can pray and the person will be dead. Or you are, you, you are not feeling well. You are, every day you are saying, Father, heal me, oh, Father, heal me. Oh. You can pray that prayer and also die. You can pray, Father, heal me, oh, Father, heal me, oh, and still die. You are praying all right, but not by scripture. When you are praying for someone, it says that you should know your rights and privileges. What is your rights? Healing is our right because Jesus paid for us. So he says, whatever you demand according to your rights, I will do it. So instead of begging God to heal, lay hands and say, in the name of Jesus, I declare you healed. I declare you healthy. That's how to pray. You are demanding health according to your rights. And the father is happy that my son knows his rights. <laughs> and you are on the bed. Father, heal me. You can pray until you begin to think God is not prepared to heal you. Or you begin to think that sickness is the will of God for your life. It's never the will of God for your life. There is no sickness in heaven. In the name of Jesus, I am healed by your word. The symptoms are there. But hold on to God's word. And act by God's word. Then the manifestation will come. That's how to do it. Whatsoever. So you should know your rights and privileges. Once you know it, faith comes alive. Faith becomes natural. That's why he said, verily, verily. Once I was preaching and there was this lady sitting down. They had removed her womb. Her womb had been removed. 
But as she was hearing things like this, she said, oh, I have my child. I have my, my, my children are coming with that womb. Exactly a year after the message, she gave birth to twins. Yeah, twins. It happened in Philippines. Someone died and they were rushing the person to the mortuary. And one of the workers of the mortuary is the ministry of someone here in Ghana. And the person is connected to me. So the person was just playing the man's message on his phone. And someone was pulling towards the mortuary, the dead. You know what happened? The one they were taking to the mortuary just rose up from the dead. Yeah. He came from Philippines to Accra to testify. He said he was dead, but he heard the message. <laughs> heard the message. And well, we can all do it by the word of God. There's someone who travels on our travel team sometimes. So it, it works. Hallelujah. God's word is he's not respectful of persons. If you believe it will be it will happen. If you believe it will happen. But you should know your rights and privileges. Hold on to it. Find out in the word. Find it out. Once a baby was drowned in water, swimming pool in the house and died. They rushed took rushed her to the hospital. They confirmed the baby dead. So the baby's uncle came to me and said, oh, can we do something about it? I said, do you believe? I said, the Bible says in Matthew 18, 19, if two shall agree as touching anything. I said, let's read. If two shall agree as on earth as touching anything, they ask, it shall be done for them of my father which is in heaven. If two shall agree on earth. He said, I asked him, are we on earth? He said, yeah, we are on earth. If two shall agree, can we agree? <laughs> no, you act for the word. If it doesn't work, there's another time to succeed. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, don't fear to fail. You know, you act on a word and never be embarrassed. <laughs> so, in two minutes, we believed and declared a word. The baby rose up from the dead. Yeah. It happens. But you should know your rights and privileges in redemption. Hallelujah. Just know your rights and privileges. Finally, he said, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name. Listen. All our victories is in the name. If you know what the name is, life will be easier for you. It's in the name. In the name. Find out what's in the name of Jesus. Because he said, whatever ye ask in my name. What's in the name of Jesus? Number one, all authority in heaven and on earth is vested in that name. Now Jesus, when, before he went to he- ascended into heaven, he said, all authority is given unto me. Go ye therefore, go on account of my authority. That is Matthew. Mark repeated the same words in, in another form. Mark said, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. So the authority is manifested in his name. So the universal word authority is vested in that name. So that name, Jesus has all the authority in it. Number two, 
Jesus said, as you go, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Three people. Grammatically wrong. In grammar, it should have been in the names of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But he said, in the name, singular, singular. In the name of three people. Check the book of Acts. They never went, they never, they never baptized anyone in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They always baptized people in the name of Jesus. So they understood that the name of Jesus, the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost is that name Jesus. Why? In that name is the fullness of deity. Listen, the fullness of omnipotence, the wealth of the eternities, the powers of the ages to come, in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All of deity, all of the power of deity is in that name. So when you say in Jesus' name, the Godhead manifests. Number three, in Song of Songs 1, 3 to 4, you know what it says? Because of the savor of thy good ointment, thy name is as ointment poured forth, therefore do the virgins love thee. Because of the perfume, the aroma of thy what? Ointment. Ointment is anointing. Thy name is as ointment poured forth. You know what it means? When you say in Jesus' name, his name is as ointment poured forth. That means his anointings are vested in his name. And when you say in Jesus' name, the anointing Jesus walked in on earth is unleashed by that name. In Philippians 2, 9, 10, 11, wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee, what? Mistakenly, we, we, you know what we normally say? We say every knee shall bow. The Bible didn't say that. The Bible says every knee should bow. It didn't say shall bow, but should bow. Shah is futuristic, but should. It was the Father's solemn decree, and he brought everything under the subjection of that name. Every knee should bow, not shall bow. So the Father's oath, according to Isaiah, and solemn decree is that he has subjected everything under that name. Listen, the name owns everything. Jesus said that the Holy Ghost, which is the comforter, whom the Father will send in my name. If the Father is sending the Holy Ghost, couldn't the Holy Ghost just come? For the Holy Ghost to come to the earth, he had to come in his name. Why? Because the earth belongs to that name. Listen, the name is the same as the person. Now when you say in Jesus' name, it's the same as Jesus himself standing here doing the same thing. He said, whosoever received this little child in my name, received me. So the name is the person. <laughs> now Jesus gave us the power of attorney to use that name. You know power of attorney? Someone called it Anthony Power. The power of attorney. <laughs> it, it is a written authorization to represent or to act in, in the behalf of someone, either in business, in private affairs, or in legal matters. So, a businessman, you can be, you can, he can, can give you the power of attorney to use his account. That means you can use the account as freely as he would because he has given you the power of attorney. <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah. Like a Pharaoh took his ring and gave it to Joseph. That's the power of attorney. <laughs> so he has the same authority as Pharaoh. 
and everything he does, Pharaoh has done it. Jesus gave you the power of attorney to use that name. Hallelujah. Ha! Ah, it works so. Peter, the first time they used that name, there was a crippled man at the gate called Beautiful. Rise up in Jesus' name. Such as I have, give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. The guy was not healed because they were apostles. The guy was not healed because they had ministry gifts. The guy was healed because they had revelation in the name. One day, say the name. Kenneth Hagin of Blessed Memory said he used to be afraid. He used the name to heal headaches. But he was afraid to use the name to heal cancer. Maybe it will not work. Jesus appeared to him. And Jesus asked him a question. If I'm going to open your car door, do you use faith to open your car door? He said, no. He said, that's how simple it is to use my name. And don't look at yourself and say, am I holy enough? Am I powerful enough? Peter said, why do you think it is by our power or by our holiness we have made this man whole? But that name, <laughs> and through faith in his name, has made this man whole and given him perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Look to him. Don't look to yourself. Now, you know why we are not able to use the name? Use the name like the way you use ATM card. But it depends on how much you have. You think you have on the card. Now, if to, to you there's only 100, 100 Ghana on the card, you'll be conscious of 100 Ghana. So you wouldn't attempt to buy anything higher than 100 Ghana. Because in your estimation, what is within is 100 Ghana. So you'll be buying things 5 Ghana, 10 Ghana, 20 Ghana. You'll only be using the name for headache, stomach pain, <laughs> you know, because you don't know how much is vested in the name. But if you know that within that name, trillions and trillions of dollars <laughs> on the ATM card, then you can withdraw as much as you want. Brethren, find out what is vested in that name. And whenever you say, in the name of Jesus, it's like as though Jesus Christ himself is doing it. He said, in my name. But there's another thing. When he says, in my name, we always have to use the name. But sometimes, something amazes me. Apostle Paul, in all of his prayers in the epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, he never ended in the name of Jesus. I realized that his prayers were recorded, but he never ended in the name of Jesus. Sometimes, when he says, in my name, given as a power of authority, you know what sometimes it means? He's saying, pray as if you are in my position, my position, and act as though I am the one doing it. They all work. They all work. For instance, when you lay hands on the sick, don't see yourself doing it. See yourself as though Jesus Christ himself is laying his hands on the person. That is the power of attaining. Act as though you are in his position or as though he himself is doing it. Just visualize Jesus laying hands and say, you are healed. Okay. Hallelujah. That's it. But use the name. Use the name. Use the name. Too many things happen with the name. And we will do the greater works to the glory of God. Hallelujah. 
Can I be on your feet and just raise your hands and just glorify the Father? Thank you, Holy Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, verily, 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 amen, amen. I swear, I swear, that's what it means. It is inevitable, irrevocable, immutable. His oath is behind what he said. It cannot be reversed, it cannot be avoided, it cannot be changed. Verily, verily, it is time to work the great works of God. Come on, lift up your hands and bless Jesus for the promise he gave you. Give him the praise, give him the glory. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's honor the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is here to do something wonderful. God bless you for listening. Maranatha, the Lord comes.